The Minority Report is here. It's happening, folks. Pre-crime is real, and I'll tell you about it coming up. I got that. I got science. Yeah, trust the science. Not really. And what is really in your tea? You might be surprised to find out as you enjoy a cup of tea this evening. I'm Jay Sheldon. This is the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Saturday. As usual, I don't know what's happening with Facebook. And I'm getting to the point where I don't give a crap what's happening with Facebook. I got 800 some over followers over there on Facebook. I apologize to each and every one of you. I put a link to our Rumble live feed. You can also find us on YouTube. That link is also in our description down below, our show notes. Um, so there are other sources. Facebook is not the beginning and end of all. In fact, it's about to be the end of all. I'm this close. I'm this close. And that's not very far away. Seriously, Facebook, get your crap together. All those billions and millions you make, you'd think, wouldn't you? Yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah, so we're live. We're here. It's Saturday night in Kuala Lumpur. It is uh, Saturday morning on the other side of the planet, and uh, lots going on tonight. Let's just get right into our first update. Miko update. And that would, of course, be that little lady, our Miko update. Uh, she's doing good. She recovered I told you on our last stream, she was having another one of those gastric things where she wasn't feeling so good. She was throwing up out of both ends. Um, she seems to have recovered. She's back eating regular food. She went for an energetic walk or two. Uh, and she's not, how can I put this delicately? She's not puking out of anything but the right end. And that's fine. Okay, I, I think that's sort of politically correct. <laughs> As a matter of fact, right now, there she is. She's sitting downstairs in the living room. There's her favorite little stuffed duck that she can't figure out how to make squeak. And uh, she's doing very well. So, yeah, she's, uh, she's all right. Thanks for asking. All right. You know, and maybe you don't. I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of our audience that doesn't know this. But uh, there was a Tom Cruise film many years ago, I forget how many years ago, decades now probably, called The Minority Report. And uh, it involved something called, he was a member of the pre-crime unit. Pre-crime, it turns out, was a bunch of these psychic people they had in some sort of tank and this encoded ball would be created from their thoughts because they could see the future. So you could be arrested for something you hadn't done yet. But it was determined you were going to do it. That's why they call it pre-crime. Well, NewScientist.com just came out with this headline this week. In fact, just two days ago. And it's pretty scary. You know AI, we've done a lot of stuff on AI on this show, including remember the Google guy? It's funny because I covered that the moment it broke. 
And then only afterwards, it went mainstream, and not because of me, of course, but <laughs> we, were the, we were among the first to tell you about that Google guy who said that AI had become sentient. Well, as AI gets set to invade our lives even more, here's the headline. AI predicts crime a week in advance with 90% accuracy. That is some scary stuff. 90% accuracy. Artificial intelligence that scours crime data, they feed all this crime data into it, can predict the location of crimes in the upcoming week with up to 90% accuracy. But there are concerns how systems like this could perpetuate bias. Scary stuff. And AI, uh, AI can now predict the location and the rate of crime across the city a week in advance. Similar systems have been shown to perpetuate racist bias in policing. And the same could be true in this case. Researchers, however, created this AI. They claim that it can also be used to expose those biases. Uh, Ishanu Chattopadhyay. I'm sure I messed that name up. Anyways, from the University of Chicago, his colleagues created an AI model that analyzes historical crime data from Chicago. If there was ever a city that would qualify with a whole lot of crime data, it would be that idiot Lightfoot's nightmare known as Chicago. Anyway, they created an AI model that went from 2014 to the end of 2016. They pushed all the historical crime data, what crimes, locations, what time of day, all that stuff went into the AI system. And it then predicted crime levels, crime levels for the week that followed the training period. The model predicted... Uh, where is it? Hold on. I lost my place. The model predicted the likelihood of certain crimes occurring across the city, which was divided into squares, about 300 meters across, a week in advance. And what it predicted was 90% accurate. 90%. That's a lot. It was also trained and tested on data for several other major U.S. cities, and it showed a similar level of performance. This, folks, is pre-crime. This is AI predicting not who's going to commit it yet. That'll be next. But where it's going to happen. This is insane. Previous efforts to use AI to predict crime have been controversial because they can perpetuate racial bias. You know, I'm not sure if I understand how that would be. I mean, if, if you know, the data goes in, the data comes out, the data isn't biased, the data is what it is. Previous efforts, in recent years, Chicago Police Department has trialed an algorithm that creates a list of people deemed most at risk of being involved in a shooting either as a victim or as a perpetrator. Details of the algorithm and the list were initially kept secret, but when they finally released it, it turned out that 56% of black men in the city, aged between 
20 to 29 featured on it. Yeah, and? I mean, just because, yes, that turned out to be racially skewed in one direction or another, the AI computer system didn't know that. I mean, their race was just a data point. There was no racial bias when the AI got the information. We're looking at it in a racist way. But the AI is not. He concedes the data used by his model will be biased. Well, you know, don't concede that because it's not true. The data is not biased. The data only looks at it as a data point, not what race they are. What ones and zeros fall together. But says the efforts have been taken to reduce the effect of bias and AI doesn't identify suspects, only potential sites of crime. He says it's not the minority report. But trust me, that's next. Law enforcement resources are not infinite, so you want to use them optimally. And wouldn't it be great if you could know where crimes are going to take place so you can put more police presence in those areas? Makes sense. He says the AI predictions could be more safely used to inform uh, policy at a high level rather than being used directly to allocate police resources. Well, that doesn't make any sense either. You know, he's trying to be politically correct, I have a feeling here, where political correctness really doesn't or shouldn't apply. He released the data and the algorithm used in the study publicly so that other researchers can investigate the results. But it is absolutely happening, folks. AI is able to predict with 90%, 90% accuracy where within a 300 meter square area crime is going to happen and that's scary stuff will it be that long before it not only tells you where it's going to happen but who potentially could be the perpetrator won't be long stand by folks they're coming for you it's science it's science How many times, hold on, coffee break time. How many times in the last two years of this idiocy we've been living with on this planet, have you heard the phrase, trust the science? And do you understand how completely wrong that phrase is? That is exactly the opposite of what science is. You don't trust the science. Science doesn't trust the science. That's why science is about creating hypotheses, testing the hypotheses, seeing if the results are repeatable. (coughs) Excuse me. That's what science is all about. A place called Scientia Logicae, Science of Logic posted this. It's in my show notes tonight. Everything we talk about in our show notes. So if you want to read anything we talk about more in depth, it's all available for you right in our description down below. That's our show notes. But this uh, this post, it's just a words on a page. I'll show it to you anyway. But man, I'm telling you, this is, please listen to this. And the next time somebody says, trust the science, You get up in their face and you say, no, moron, that's not what science is about. Science is about questioning things. 
and finding out answers. Those claiming that science is just another form of religion or extremism do not understand the basic premise of the scientific method. Distinguishing healthy skepticism from denialism is very important. Denialism means rejecting all empirical evidence, completely out of hand, just rejecting it. While skepticism welcomes and indeed requires all empirical evidence and available data. While science is empirical and welcomes change and systematic learning, denialism can be related to absolutist views. I don't care what you say or what you tell me. This is what I believe in, and the science doesn't matter. Does that make any sense to you? Science, therefore, is essentially the opposite of believing in an absolute authority. You know, when that little moron who should be in jail, Fauci, said, I am the science. Idiot. Science is therefore essentially the opposite of believing in an absolute authority, as claimed incorrectly by so many who either misunderstand the above or by those wishing to deliberately cast doubt on science as a means of strengthening their argument. It's a little word salad there, but read it. Understand it. And never trust the science. Always question the science, because that's what science is all about. I love this piece. It's in our show notes. Click on it. Share it with your friends. Post it on your Facebook wall or your Twitter or your Twitch or wherever feed you've got. Whatever social media you're dealing with here. All right. <laughs> Are you, uh, we just took a coffee break. By the way, our top link in our show notes. Sorry. just I got to do a little plug here. If you would like some merchandise, we call it Miko Merch because it features Miko. By the way, my shirt tonight is, it says, life is better with a Shiba Inu. This is not one of our Miko merch shirts for the Jay Sheldon show. But you can get t-shirts, ball caps, hoodies, coffee mugs, mouse pads, stickers, even a bandana for your dog. Uh, and that top link, Miko merch, check out the Jay Sheldon show merchandise called Miko merch. Click on the link. It'll open in another window. Go buy something, would you? All right. Anyway, as I sip my coffee, I know that I put, by the way, my coffee is instant coffee. I've always drank instant coffee. I love fresh brewed, but you know, it's a pain in the ass. So I do instant coffee. Nescafe, actually. There's a free plug for Nescafe and, and some fresh filtered water. And that's all that's in my coffee. I drink it black. Can you say that? Or is that racist? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, well, you never know these days, you know. By the way, my pronouns are hey you, okay? Just so we've got it out there. Uh, what's in your tea? Let's just get right to it, shall we? In an ordinary tea bag, you take the water, you put the tea bag in, you soak it in the water. In an ordinary tea bag, <laughs> you might want to put down your cup if you're having a cup right now. 
you can find the DNA of up to 400 species of insects. And in one box of tea bags, more than a thousand species of insects. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Can just in a tea bag there's more than four the DNA of more than four hundred species of insects, bugs. You know they want us to eat bugs. That'll be the next thing. It's just Science, folks. It's good old science. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's not all. Uh, I'm going to warn you that if you're eating whatever you might be eating, you might want to take a break because the next one, and the link is in our show notes. I'm not going to go through everything. It's from eatthis.com. I love that URL, eatthis.com. But uh, it says... You're eating bugs, and you don't even know it. Bugs may be the next darling food trend. Uh, Bug protein powder will be coming soon to your granola bars and shakes, but that's quite a different matter from the insects that are very quietly being shipped in your food right now. From Eat This, Not That. Health food and junk food, snacks and drinks, none of them are safe from a certain amount of bug matter. And just so you know, that's perfectly okay with the Food and Drug Administration. The FDA has deemed it okay for us to eat a certain amount of bug matter. Now, what kind of bugs are we talking about? Take a look. Dactylopius coccus, or coccus, red candies. You know you shouldn't eat them, but you do. Skittles, Swedish fish, whatever your candy vice is. You might, however, want to know what you're popping along with your sweet pick-me-up. Carmine, a vibrant red food colorant, is made from the crushed abdomens of female beetle-like African insects. Ew. It also shows up in some colored juices. So yes, there is actually bug juice in your bug juice. Not only is this little stomach turning, it uh, possesses a, poses an ethical problem for vegetarians and ve- vegans who might not be aware that you are actually eating bugs. Curia laca. Uh, Sorry again, candy lovers. It doesn't matter that they call it confectioner's glaze or shellac. That crunchy candy coating is made from the secretions from the back end of a female lac bug. Shellac has a lot of uses. It might sound familiar as something you'd use on the furniture, say on your porch, including several that show up in our snacks. The candy coating that makes sweets look so shiny is the most common, but it also shows up as a brush-on colorant. You check the labels while you're shopping for sweets, especially around the big candy season, Easter or Halloween. Most of them use shellac, and yes, it's made from caria laca, which is a female lac bug. 
You might want to sit down for this one, and I'm sure you'll want to put down your hot dog. Maggots. These things are permitted at a certain amount by the FDA. They've said, yeah, no problem. (laughs) Brace yourselves. Just because you avoid the processed candies doesn't mean your food is free of bugs. The FDA legally allows mushrooms to contain 19 maggots. Those are the little rice-shaped larvae that feast on rotting food. In every three to five ounce can, the FDA says it's okay. You can have up to 19 maggots. Oh my God. As if that wasn't enough of a reason to switch to fresh mushrooms, you'll also avoid chemicals that line the cans and seep into your food. I'm going to do one more. There's tons more in here. You got to check out the article. Yeah, mites, cockroaches, fruit flies, thrips, caterpillars, aphids. It just goes on and on. But this one in particular. Oh, man. We're not done talking about maggot-lading mushrooms. Turns out, in addition to 19 maggots per can, you're, they're also allowed to have up to 74 mites per 3.5-ounce can. They're allowed to have that many. These are canned mushrooms. I actually use canned mushrooms when I make spaghetti sauce. Not anymore. Never again. You need to read this article. It is scary toast. It is scary stuff. Like I said, there's more. Fruit flies, thrips, caterpillars, aphids. The list goes on and on and on of all the things that are in your food. And it's allowed. The Food and Drug Administration says, yeah, no problem. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Stick some more mites and roaches and maggots in there. We're good. We're cool. We're cool. Go ahead. You've been eating this crap for years and not even know it. Oh, my. All right. (laughs) Do I really want a sip of coffee now? Uh... All right. We'll take a chance. (laughs) Wow. All right. I... uh... (laughs) We're going to get over to our uh, book in a little while here. Coming up, by the way, on Monday's show, it's a very special anniversary in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, I know I've got an audience around the world, the U.S., got a big audience over there, India, uh, New Zealand, Australia, Malaysia, of course, because that's where I'm located. And we talk a lot about Malaysia sometimes. But uh, there is a very uh, sad but weird anniversary that I'll bet most Malaysians have forgotten about, and that is coming up on Monday. We'll be talking about that on Monday's show. And uh, also on Monday's show, TikTok. I've talked about it before. You will never, ever in a million years, ever, ever, I don't care how much money they offer me to do whatever over there. No, forget it. I will never, ever appear on TikTok or have an account there. Why? Because I read the terms and conditions before I clicked OK. I was signing up on my phone. I was, had the phone out, click, 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 OK, download, sign in. And then the terms and conditions came up. And I actually read them. And I'll bet you didn't. And that's too bad. We're going to talk about on Monday show TikTok. 
And if I can't convince you to delete your account or never, ever set one up on TikTok, then you're just not listening because it's scary. And it has not everything to do with the fact that it's a China-based company, although that doesn't help. But trust me, get your butt off TikTok, get your kids off TikTok, delete the app. Not even sure that's going to get rid of it entirely. But there are some serious TikTok issues. All right. We always end our first part of our show with a good news story. And this is a good news story. Unfortunately, it, it, uh, it is also a tragic, tragic story. It's from heartwarming.com. And it is about an 88-year-old crossing guard. He lost his life, sadly. He was killed. Uh, in the process of pushing kids out of the way of a speeding car. And I think he deserves all the recognition he can get. It is easy to think that heroes don't exist, that they only occur in comic books and Marvel movies. The fact they may be found in many sectors of life in the shape of people who achieve amazing things often at tremendous expense. On Tuesday, a much-loved crossing guard in Kansas City, Kansas, devoted his life to saving kids who might otherwise have lost theirs. Bob Nill, he's 80, he was 88 years old, and he had been a crossing guard at Christ the King Parish School for five years. He was loved by the pupils, they all affectionately referred to him as Mr. Bob. And that is a picture of Mr. Bob. According to accounts, a fast-speeding black vehicle sped across Nils Crossing at 8 a.m. on Tuesday. Nil placed himself at risk to save two kids after he recognized the threat from the speeding oncoming car. He stopped two students from walking out into the path of the car. They obeyed Mr. Bob. Unfortunately, the car struck Mr. Bob and he passed away a time later at the hospital. But I uh, just wanted to take a moment and honor this amazing man who sadly gave his life as a school crossing guard. Uh, that's not what these guys sign up for, but man, I wanted to share that and let you know that, uh, yeah, there are people out there willing to go above and beyond like Mr. Bob from Kansas city. That's a sad, sad story, but, uh, what an amazing guy. What an amazing, amazing guy. All right. And let's see if we can get on with our book here. We can. All I got to do is pop the little image up on the screen, and we're looking at the front cover of The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. However, I'm suddenly realizing, as I sit here trying to figure out what I'm doing, <laughs> that uh, I didn't queue up my book. So you know what? You're going to get to see me queue it up live on the air. That's why we love live programming, huh? 
Okay, give me a second here. I got to get over here. I got to open a new tab. I got to go to uh, the list, which is projectgutenberg.org. You go to gutenberg.org and you, uh, you can find all kinds of amazing books there. Uh, they are all free. They're all in the public domain. And uh, you can read them for nothing. Or you can listen to me read them to you. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. And we're going to conclude the end of these this five pips mystery. And then we're going to begin the man with the twisted lip adventure from Sherlock Holmes. So to catch you up, Holmes said, I searched the Dundee records. And when I found that the Bark Lone Star was there in January of 85, my suspicion became a certainty. I then inquired as to the vessels which lay at present in the port of London. The Lone Star had arrived there last week. I went down to the Albert Dock and found she'd been taken down the river by the early tide this morning, homeward bound to Savannah. I wired Gravesend, learned she'd passed some time ago, and the wind is easterly. I've no doubt she's now past the Goodwins and not far from the Isle of Wight. And what will you do then? I asked. Oh, I have my hand upon him. He and the two mates are, as I learn, the only native-born Americans in the ship. Two others are Finns and Germans. I know also that all three were away from the ship last night. I had it from the stevedore who'd been loading their cargo. By the time their sailing ship reaches Savannah, the mail boat will have carried this letter and the cable, which will have informed the police of Savannah that these three gentlemen are badly wanted, here upon a charge of murder. There is ever a flaw, however and the best laid of human plans. And the murderers of John Openshaw were never to receive the orange pips, which showed them that another, as cunning and resolute as themselves, was upon their track. Very long and very severe were the equinoctial gales this year. We waited long for news of the lone star of Savannah, but none ever reached us. We did at last hear that somewhere, far out in the Atlantic, a shattered stern post of a boat was seen swinging through the trough of a wave, with the letters L.S. carved upon it, and that is all we shall ever know of the fate of the Lone Star. Adventure 6 from the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, The Man with the Twisted Lip. A Whitney, brother of the late Elias Whitney, D.D., principal of the Theological College of St. George's, which was much addicted to opium. The habit grew upon him, as I understand, from some foolish freak when he was at college, for having read de Quincey's description of his dreams and sensations, he had drenched his tobacco with laudanum in an attempt to produce the same effects. 
He found, as so many more have done, that the practice is easier to attain than to get rid of. And for many years he continued to be a slave to the drug, an object of mingled horror and pity to his friends and relatives. I can see him now, with yellow, pasty face, drooping lids, pinpoint pupils, all huddled in a chair, the wreck and ruin of a noble man. One night, it was in June of 89, there came a ring to my bell, about the hour when a man gives his first yawn and glances at the clock. I sat up in my chair, and my wife laid her needlework down in her lap and made a little face of disappointment. A patient, said she. You'll have to go out. I groaned, for I was newly come back from a weary day. We heard the door open, a few hurried words, and then quick steps upon the linoleum. Our own door flew open, and a lady, clad in some dark-colored stuff with a black veil, entered the room. "'You will excuse my calling so late,' she began, and then suddenly, losing her self-control, she ran forward, threw her arms around my wife's neck, and sobbed upon her shoulder. "'Oh, I am in such trouble,' she cried. "'I do so want a little help.' Why, said my wife, pulling up her veil, it's Kate Whitney. How you startled me, Kate. I I had not an idea who you were when you came in. I didn't know what to do, so I came straight to you. That was always the way. Folk who were in grief came to my wife like birds to a lighthouse. It was very sweet of you to come. Now, you must have some wine and water and sit here comfortably and tell us about it. Or should you rather I send James off to bed? Oh, no, no, I want the doctor's advice and help. It's about Isa. He has not been home for two days, and I'm so frightened about him. It was not the first time she'd spoken of her husband's troubles to me as a doctor, to my wife as an old friend and school companion. We soothed and comforted her by such words as we could find. Did she know where her husband was? Was it possible that we could bring him back to her? It seemed it was. She had the surest information of that, that of late he had, when the fit was upon him, made use of an opium den in the farthest east of the city. Hitherto his orgies had always been confined to one day, and he'd come back twitching and shattered in the evening. But now the spell had been upon him eight and forty hours, and he lay there, doubtless in amongst the dredge of the docks, breathing in the poison or sleeping off the effects. There he was to be found, she was sure of it, at the Bar of Gold in Upper Swandham Lane. But what was she to do? How could she, a young and timid woman, make her way into such a place, pluck her husband out from among the ruffians who surrounded him? There was the case, and of course there was but one way out of it. Might I not escort her to this place? And then, as a second thought, why should she come at all? It was Isa Whitney's medical adviser that was me, and as such I had influence over him. I could manage it better if I were alone. I promised her on my word that I would send him home in a cab within two hours. 
if he were indeed at the address which she'd given to me. And so in ten minutes I'd left my armchair and cheery sitting-room behind me, and was speeding eastward in a hansom on a strange errand, as it seemed to me at the time, though the future could only show how strange it was to be. But there was no great difficulty in the first stage of my adventure. Upper Swandham Lane is a vile alley lurking behind the high wharfs which line the north side of the river to the east of the London Bridge. Between a shop, slop shop and a gin shop, approached by a steep flight of stairs leading down to a black gap like the mouth of a cave. I found the den of which I was in search. Ordering my cab to wait, I passed down the steps, worn hollow in the center by the ceaseless tread of drunken feet. By the light of a flickering oil lamp above the door, I found the latch and made my way into a long, low room, thick and heavy with the brown opium smoke, and terraced with wooden berths, like the forecastle of an emigrant ship. Through the gloom one could dimly catch a glimpse of bodies lying in strange, fantastic poses, bowed shoulders, bent knees, heads thrown back, and chins pointed upward, with here and there a dark, lackluster eye turned upon the newcomer. Out of the black shadows there glimmered little red circles of light, now bright, now faint, and the burning poison waxed or waned in the bowls of the metal pipes. The most lay silent, but some muttered to themselves, others talked together in strange, low, monotonous voices, their conversations coming in rushes and then suddenly trailing off into silence, each mumbling out his own thoughts and paying little heed to the words of his neighbor. At the farther end was a small brazier of burning charcoal, beside which, on a three-legged wooden stool, there sat a tall, thin old man, with his jaw resting upon two fists, and his elbows upon his knees, staring into the fire. As I entered, a sallow Malay attendant had hurried up with a pipe for me, and a supply of the drug beckoning me to an empty berth. "'Thank you, I have not come to stay,' said I. "'There is a friend of mine here, Mr. Isa Whitney, and I wish to speak with him.' There was a movement and an exclamation from my right, and peering through the gloom, I saw Whitney, pale, haggard, and unkempt, staring out at me. "'My "'God, it's Watson,' said he. "'He was in a pitiful state of reaction, "'with every nerve on a twitter. "'I say, Watson, what o'clock is it?' "'Nearly eleven. "'Of what day?' "'Of Friday, June 19th. "'Good heavens, I thought it was Wednesday. "'It is Wednesday. "'What do you want to frighten a chap for?' "'He sank his face into his arms "'and began to sob in a high treble key. Well, I tell you, it's Friday, man. Your wife has been waiting these two days for you. You should be ashamed of yourself. So I am. But you've got mixed, Watson. For I've been here only a few hours. Three pipes, four pipes, I forget how many. But I'll go home with you. I wouldn't frighten Kate, poor little Kate. Give me your hand. Have you a cab? Uh, yes, I have one waiting. And I shall go in it. 
But I must owe something. Find out what I owe, Watson. I'm all off color. I can, I can do nothing for myself. I walked down the narrow passage between the double row of sleepers, holding my breath to keep out the vile, stupefying fumes of the drug, looking about for the manager. As I passed the tall man who sat by the brazier, I felt a sudden pluck at my skirt, and a low voice whispered, Walk past me, then look back at me. The words fell quite distinctly on my ear. I glanced down. They could only have come from an old man. At dangling down at my side, and yet he sat now as absorbed as ever. Very thin, very wrinkled, bent with age. An opium pipe dangled down between his knees as though it had dropped in sheer lassitude from his fingers. I took two steps forward and looked back. It took all of my self-control to prevent me from breaking out into a cry of astonishment. He had turned his back so that none could see him but I. His form had filled out. His wrinkles were gone. The dull eyes had regained their fire, and there, sitting by the fire and grinning at my surprise, was none other than Sherlock Holmes. He made a slight motion to me to approach him, and instantly, as he turned his face half round to the company once more, subsided into a doddering, loose-lipped senility. Wow, what a setup. We will continue on with this amazing opium adventure coming up in our next stream. I can't wait to hear the rest of this story. Uh, Shaggington, hey, sorry, hi. I was reading and I, I didn't see your chat there. Uh, no, I did not write it. Uh, it's written by Sir Arthur Cannon Doyle. It is The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. And uh, we read a part of a chapter every night as we go through the book until we finish it. And we move on to another one of our classic books. Uh, we've done, we've done the uh, Wonderful Wizard of Oz, Winnie the Pooh, Peter Pan, uh, The Little Prince. We've done a ton of different classic books on this show in the almost two years we've been doing it. But uh, yeah, we're doing the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes now. That is a part of the chapter we just began tonight, and uh, the Man with the Twisted Lip. So we'll continue that on Monday's show. Hope you'll pop in join us for the adventure all right that's going to do it for us i will see you again on monday don't forget a very interesting show with a interesting kuala lumpur malaysia anniversary coming up monday and also the dangers of tiktok and i ain't kidding i'll see you monday have a great rest of your weekend good night folks <laughs>